Welcome to the Church Planter Talks podcast, a resource made for church planters by church planters. Everything from practical helps to philosophical discussion, the Church Planter Talks podcast starts right now. I'm your host, Corey Estep, and joining me as always, the church planners themselves, Richard Rossiter and Preston Hoyseth. As our faithful listeners have noticed, we have had to take a little bit a little bit of a break from the podcast. Ministry's been pretty busy, both here in Florida as well as up in Minnesota. It's been about four months since we last recorded an episode and released one. Since that time, though, we've had revival meetings, we've had men's advances, we've had vacation Bible school, missionaries come in and go... Uh, and the list goes on. So how are you guys doing, and what else has been keeping you busy this this off-season? Man, it has been a crazy time. We, we have had all those different meetings and stuff, and then uh, end of May, we celebrated our sixth anniversary as a church. And so for a, for a young church, each anniversary is a big deal, you know? Once you get to be, you know, 87 years old or whatever you don't have to celebrate every anniversary quite the same way but <laughs> yeah, uh yeah. but you know how it, we're, we're kind of like kids i'm i'm five and three quarters you know i'm, yeah. I'm almost six years old that's kind of how it feels as a church planter and so anyway we celebrated uh our sixth anniversary and uh, the lord really blessed and we had a record attendance of 70 people it that's was awesome. un- unreal man uh so uh, we're so thankful for what the lord's doing and uh and uh, I'm not expecting 70 every week this summer, but close to it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hoping that we can build on that momentum for sure. Amen. Well, I had, uh, besides all those wonderful spiritual events and activities that Brother Corey mentioned, uh, I had a monumental uh, occasion. I became a grandfather. And uh, I know that would be surprising to everyone. Not nearly old <laughs> enough. So young. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, but no, I became a grandfather. My son, my oldest son, uh, had their first child, and his name is Rupert Flynn. And uh, so we even named them to try to get them to be tough. Um, <laughs> but uh, also was in another theater production with our theater group. And and life is crazy busy, man. What an adventure. It's awesome. And sometimes the, the thing that weighs us down is the thing that's also most exciting. And so... It's been awesome, but we're glad to be back on the podcast and uh, recording hopefully something of value, and uh, we'll, we'll let Brother Corey take the blame if it's not. Oh, that works. That's why I'm here, is to take the blame when all falls apart. Well, today, let's jump right into the content. Today, we want to talk about a quality that is essential for every church planter, a pioneering spirit. The title of today's podcast is True Grit. I think that has some sort of reference to a John Wayne film, if I'm correct. Yeah, okay, I'm about to throw this out here, and I'm probably going to um, really hurt myself by saying this, but I've never watched a full John Wayne movie. Me neither. You neither? Well, then no. we're kindred spirits here. I think we're in the rare, though. Okay. We're, we're millennials. <laughs> um, I quit. <laughs> and I think a half of our audience, or maybe three quarters of our audience, just turned off the podcast. 
But don't judge us according to that. We named a podcast episode after a John Wayne film just for you guys listening out there. But we are talking it's about... O- it's okay because I've seen Brother Rossiter uh, do John Wayne Western-style skits and stuff before and be the fit man and everything <laughs> it's a, else. It's from about, about the band, same so. thing. It's, it's about the same, the same thing. thing. True grit Keyword right about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost. I almost broke into my John Wayne impression, and I'm so glad... That finally I've learned just a slight bit of discretion. Wow. <laughs> I know. It's it's a monumental moment for me. It's a victory for yeah. all of us. And my wife. After we stop this podcast, <laughs> you're going to have to tell me exactly where you're going with that. Because now I'm curious. <laughs> well, today, as I said, True Grit, a pioneering spirit. Pastor Rosser, why don't we start with you? What are we talking about when we say a pioneering spirit? What is it? And why would you say that it is so essential for a church planner to have? Well, the the biggest, I think, uh, concept is you're traveling into the unknown. Not just the unknown for you. You know, any, any new position you take, there's a level of unknown. But when you're planting a church, even the whole concept of success or the whole concept of even viability is all unknown. You know, you have no concept uh, of who's going to come or how it's going to be received in, in the community and the buildings and uh, how it's going to affect your family, how it's going to affect, you know, yourself, how long it's going to take, you know, to reach certain hurdles. You have nothing to turn back on and say, well, we've done this in the past, so therefore we can do it again in the future. So going into the unknown and a pioneering spirit has this idea of that is by choice the direction I would want to go. I'm not falling into this. You know, I can't find a place to pastor, so I guess I'll plant a church. That is not the pioneering spirit. That would be more of uh, a destructive spirit because it, it is different. And this, the podcast, you know, we're not trying to minimize those guys that take churches because everything is hard and everywhere is hard. But church planning is unique, and it would be, I think, disingenuous to say that that's not the case. Um, and so, you know, the 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 energy and desire to go into the unknown, to conquer something and put something in a place that has not existed and is not there and to mark off a piece of ground or a storefront or, you know, a doctor's office or whatever and and and, and just be have energy that says this is what I want to do and how I want to do it. And obviously God's leading in doing it. And it's this insati- insatiable thing to try to conquer that which does not exist. And that's kind of the pioneering spirit. Um, and, and I think it's not only necessary to, to have, but it's something that has to be craved, you know, and has to be cultivated as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I was <clears throat> doing some thinking on this uh, as we were preparing for it. And I thought, well, what is what does Google say that the pioneering spirit is all about? You know, and because that's where we go for all of our theological oh, yeah, um, questions. Uh, <laughs> but it, the first definition that popped up was, it is a willingness to endure hardness yeah. in order to explore or do something new. I thought that's really good because when you have a pioneering spirit, you have an expectation that there will be some hardness. Yeah. that you're going to face. Um, it wouldn't be pioneering otherwise. Uh, right. That's It's part of the definition of, of blazing a trail that nobody else has been on is that you're, you're going to be going through the thick of it. 
and um, it, it's so essential. And where we are, um, man, there's a lot of this just built into the culture of northern Minnesota because our history doesn't go back that that far. Obviously, the Native American history goes back a lot farther. But as far as Europeans and the state of Minnesota, people didn't figure out how to survive up here until fairly recently. Uh, but even then, you look back at some of the lumberjacks and the people that, that literally just paid, paid, blazed a trail through the wilderness up here. And uh, it's just we're just talking about uh, a couple of generations ago. And as a matter of fact, our daily newspaper is called the Bemidji Pioneer. Hmm. And so it's, it's that much a part of the culture. And there's, a, there's an element of grit and hardness that is built into the Minnesota spirit. You know, we, we kinda, kind of uh, pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, we're tough. We can handle 50 below zero temperatures and blizzards and everything else. And we do so by th- setting the thermostat and the natural gas furnace comes on, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's how we endure. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a big part of, of who we are. And, and for church planters, it's essential. You have to expect that there will be hardness. And if you're not, if you're not down with that, if you're not ready to, to blaze that trail, boy, church planting, it might not be up your alley. And even at some level, crave it. Yes. You know, I, I don't want to sound, you know, sadistic. And there's those other guys that they find hardness because they're so angry and they scream at everybody, they run everybody off, and then they glory in the fact that nobody comes to their church. Yeah. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about craving that challenge, you know, that there is there is nothing here. And, and regionally, you know, there's different aspects to that hardness or that... Uh, difficulty, you know, if you're planning a church in New England, if you're planning a church in, in, in uh, you know, the Northeast or even the Northwest, you know, there are some unique challenges and hard. If you're planning a church, you know, in North Carolina, yeah. you know, part of the hardness is the expectation of you should have 150 people in three weeks, you know, and so they're all different, they're all unique, but there has mm-hmm. to be that sense of craving and I have found in talking to church planners you you can almost sense it yes whether they have it or not yeah you know and and some days all of us have bad days we're going to talk about that but you can almost sense it and you want to be careful to not be prideful in it and glory in it and all those mistakes you can make but mm-hmm. still you you look for that and if you see it then mm-hmm. you go man this this guy's this guy's going to make it hmm yeah, I, I was. I had the privilege of being around a lot of different church plants, you know, in my early years of ministry. Um, Cornerstone being one of them, and just Faith Baptist was just had a passion and a heart for church planting. Uh, we took our the teens on a uh, missions trip, and it was to visit a church plant in Arizona, totally different setting and so on. But um, I remember that's where it was where it really hit me, and we were setting up trying to make this school gymnasium feel a little bit like a church service and we're setting up the pipe and the drapes and we're with uh, brother alfred king door knocking and it's 110 degrees and i mean it was hard it, it, he he was doing a hard work there you yeah. know and i looked around and i thought to myself the excitement just swelled within me and i thought i must do this yeah so like you say there there is a god-given craving 
the, that and a desire to pioneer. And yeah. I don't know how better to put it. Yeah, it sounds like and this is a good segue into the next question, I think. This desire that you guys are talking about has a lot to do with what we might call the call itself. What is it that brings a church planner somewhere to a certain area, and then what keeps them there? I think there's a difference between those two, what brings them there and what keeps them there. But sometimes there, that mm-hmm. gap between the difference shouldn't be as big as we sometimes make it. In other words, what brings you there should keep you there to some degree. But it's kind of like getting up off the couch and starting to run. Mm-hmm. Um, what got me off the couch to get me running, to some degree, will keep me running whenever I hit that pain moment of the run. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people quit once they feel the pain. Mm-hmm. So can you guys kind of equate that or, or bring it over to where it's understandable as to what brings a person to that specific field and then what keeps them there? Is it about a call or a burden? Those are sometimes buzzwords that we use. And what keeps you going sure. when things are difficult? Yeah, I think another uh, similarity, similar situation would be uh, marriage. There, there's, there may be one thing that brings you to the marriage altar, but that not, may not be the same motivation that will keep you married and keep you committed to that mm-hmm. relationship for a lifetime. And uh, I'm sure church planting can be similar in some ways that mm-hmm. God can use uh, a lot of different factors to get you where he wants you to be. And then those, you know, sometimes you have to go deeper, uh, always probably. You, you have to go deeper uh, in your relationship with the Lord, in your understanding of who you are and, and what he has for you to do. Um, and I think that, that that call or that burden, it's going to be different for everybody. I kind of shared with you mine, that, that moment, that aha moment when I knew it was going to be church planting. And then it was kind of a... A funneling process from there that guided us to where we are today in Bemidji, Minnesota. Um, but it does go back to, we've said this many times on this podcast, what is your why? Mm-hmm. The yeah. why is so important. And, and so for somebody who's thinking about planting a church, you'd better know the why. And the why, granted, it goes back to the Great Commission. And so, on one hand, as Christians, we could all say, well, why not? You know, we need to reach right. the world. But, <laughs> <That's not laughs> but, also, but also, why you? Yeah. You know, because God has different giftings and different, a different plan and a different will for each person. And so, your role in the Great Commission doesn't have to be church planting. And if that desire or that, that gifting is not in you, don't try to force a square peg into a round hole. Be who God made you to be. Yeah, and that desire needs to be there within the confines of where you make your spiritual decisions, not where you make your public decisions. Mm. Because it's easy to have that desire when the cheerleader is standing up there, you know, motivating you to do something. And you're like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. But when all the cheerleaders are gone and when all the influencers are gone... And when all the men that you might think that the news that you're planning a church would sound impressive to them are gone, because none of them will be there uh, about six weeks into your church plant other than by care and love and support, blah, blah, blah. But they're not there, you know. And so where you make those spiritual decisions in your heart of hearts that, you know, that this is what this is, this is a desire that I have that God has put in me not only in ministry direction, but even in functional personality equipment, you know, Mm -hmm. then it becomes, because really 
your calling or your burden or your desire is even greater than the geographic decisions that you make. Yeah. You know, I mean, we really thought that we would be uh, a little bit further east and that we would duplicate what faith did right along the interstate. And, and uh, we just thought that's where we would actually plant. Well, once we got up here and we started looking around seeing, we ended up being, you know, some 20 miles to the west. And it didn't really matter because it wasn't about that specific geographic location. Right. You know, I, I think God's going to lead you to a region and then he's mm-hmm. going to hone that region as you get more information. But the geographic location is not what ultimately produces the desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, that desire is what pushes you to that geographic location. And and not only keeps you there, but of course, and, and I see how Brother Hoyseth quickly left the running illustration <laughs> and went to the marriage illustration. Amen. And I also will not recount my running career. Um, <laughs> but not only keeps you there, but keeps you there joyful, yeah. keeps you there content, keeps you there happy. How many people have stayed in a marriage? And, and they should. They should stay in a marriage. Mm-hmm. But how many have people have stayed in a marriage but have made life miserable for themselves and made life miserable for who they're married to because they're only doing it because what would people think if I mm-hmm. stopped? And mm-hmm. sometimes church planners stay in a place because what would people think? If I stopped, and that's yeah. not the motivation that is going to uh, allow you to have joy in the ministry. Right. You know, you, you need to have that. That's when that's where that pioneering spirit. Everybody else ultimately is in the rearview mirror. Yeah, it's me, my family, and God. We're moving forward. I care what He thinks, and everybody else is in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you cared, uh, that's not the right way to say it. If your greatest desire was what people cared about you and your ministry and your accomplishment, you probably won't be a church planner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of right. like being that missionary that, you know, is going to be famous in heaven, but gets little accolades on earth mm-hmm. because he's out of sight, out of mind, and he doesn't have the huge, huge impressive American church. Mm-hmm. Like, like Brother Martin in the Philippines, you know, just an incredible guy, uh, complete pioneering spirit because he's moving forward and everything mm-hmm. else is there. And you need that, you need that, uh, uh, that burden, that call, however it comes to be attached to that spirit, because you don't want to just stay there because, you know, I have to, what are people yeah. going to think? But you want to be successful. And, mm-hmm. and not even successful in you, how many people you have. You want to be successful in your heart, your home, and, and the joy that you have in the Lord. And that's going to come. When the pioneering spirit breaks down, the recognition that you're doing this for the Lord and with the Lord is what overcomes that deficiency or those discouraging days. Sure. And you're talking about you know success and success with the Lord and, and faithfulness. And I think that's an important thing as well that will keep uh, a church planter on the field is being able to identify success apart from the maybe ultimate vision, uh, seeing success in the process, not only in the results. Because in some ways, you know, as the Lord led us here, the vision is so, so big and it's so 
long range. Yeah. You know, uh, God put this desire in us, and one of the reasons that he led us to Bemidji, I believe, is that it's a strategic location. We're strategically a regional center. And we are poised, you know, here to be able to reach out into other smaller communities and things. And that's a part of the the scope of the burden that I have for Minnesota is to see not only one church planted, but from this church to see these other small towns reached and to see other churches started and other works going on. And so in my mind, the ultimate result is is pretty big and pretty grand. But. I may never live to see that yeah. end result. And isn't that, isn't that what the pioneering spirit is? There to you understand go. the generational yes. view and the generational goal. Those that went west, you know, the, the iconic pioneers, you mm-hmm. know, they scratched out a living and they scratched out uh, an, an existence. But yep. ultimately, the pioneer was paving the way for those that right. would come behind them. And ultimately, it was those that came behind them that garnered the greatest benefit, mm-hmm. you know, and so having that generational look, I don't think you can divorce church planning from a generational understanding of ministry. Yeah. If not, you're going to become discontent quickly. And I have to remind myself often that it, it's it's not only a part of our philosophy, it is the it is what determines our activity that we are generationally minded church mm-hmm. and it's okay if it takes generations to accomplish. Yeah, and and you have to be able to find success in uh, in the process. Yeah. And along the way in the journey rather than waiting for some ultimate destination or some stage in church growth or whatever it might be, quit waiting for the destination and realize that God has you on an amazing journey. And that in itself is a success. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and, it's that pioneering, the idea that, okay, like the farmer, and I didn't grow up on a farm, but I've, I've read about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, the guy that gets there first, he doesn't plant. He removes stones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's got to remove all those stones, and that takes time and effort, and and that really doesn't by itself produce anything, but it it cultivates the ground so that product and crops can be produced, yeah. and that's what church planters are really doing, removing yeah. the stones, so that somebody can come behind, and uh, and and more readily be able to harvest that field. Missionaries have been doing this for generations. They, yeah. This this is largely the work of missionaries. When you go to a field, particularly where there isn't a history of a lot of people going, that's what your life and your ministry is going to be about. You're picking yeah. out stones. You are preparing the soil for sowing. Uh, the, the, as far as the reaping factor, God may give you a few to glean along the way, but you, you shouldn't go expecting this great harvest. And I think for so long, America was already a prepped field. Yeah, and people could go in, and yeah. within a fairly short period of time, there could be a harvest there. And now um, we see our culture has shifted so much that much of America lies fallow, and we're starting over in many places—a uh, yeah. generation that knows not God. And so it it's it it is harder than it was in times before. And I think that's across the board. No matter where you go, it's going to be more difficult than it was one or two generations ago mm-hmm. because we're starting over. We're replowing what was allowed to uh, go dormant. 
Yeah. I want to revisit real quick. I think this is important. I want to re- revisit what you said really quick, Pastor Hoyseth, about mm-hmm. it's it's not really about a destination. Enjoy the journey. I get what you're saying there. But for mm-hmm. a church planner out there who's listening to that and saying, well, I'm very goal-oriented, mm-hmm. should I should I still make goals or are you saying that it's more of like a balance between goal making and endurance? What Mm -hmm. can you clarify that just a little bit more? Because there, I mean, for me personally, I'm Mm -hmm. a goal oriented person. I've got to see something that I, when I'm running, I'm chain running, I'm running to that Mm -hmm. stop sign. And then I find a new, uh, element or a new stopping point to, to push myself to, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, you have to have goals. You have to be ambitious. If there's no ambition in you, there's not much pioneering spirit in you either. You know, yeah. Yeah. the pi- the pioneer would say, you know, this year I'm gonna I'm gonna clear out that South Forty. You know, I mean, there's a yeah. there's a, definitely some goals uh, about it. Um, but a goal, there's a difference between a goal and an expectation. Yeah, to, that's good. If you if you set an expectation, you're taking for granted as though it's inevitable that it must happen this way. And if an expectation isn't fulfilled, boy, you're just you set yourself up for some massive discouragement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you say, "Hey, I'm ambitious. I'm going to do," I, you know, instead of saying, "I want to see this kind of uh, attendance growth," set set goals for yourself and say, "This year, I'm really going to work hard. I, I'm going to knock." Uh, you know, a thousand doors this summer or whatever it is, personal, make personal goals hmm. and leave the growth of the church in the Lord's hands. Yeah. Goals are attainable by yes. effort. Expectations are only accomplished by God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you have to, you know, be, re- be reasonable to set, set those goals because you know, you can do it. And, and yep. to be honest to brother Corey's point, it, Part of that pioneering spirit, too, is, I don't know about you, for you, Brother Hoyset, but for me, much of my ministry before I planted the church, all my goals, all my responsibilities, all my activities was dictated to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily always in a bad way. It's just you you have a system and a structure, and so you're going to go do this. And then you became a church planner, and nothing was dictated to you. Yeah. You know, so goals are utterly you know completely important for you to be keep yourself moving and active the danger is when it Mm -hmm. it is that expectation that must be reached for Mm -hmm. you to have contentment yeah for instance you know we've i I have at certain points set out long-range plans you know i'll have goals for a year goals for five years you know what what might be possible five years from now yeah. And if so, if that is possible, if it is God's will, what steps would I need to take in order to be ready for that or to prepare along the way to get to that? Now, have all of our five-year goals come true? Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. But but you ought to have them and do mm-hmm. whatever you can do, whatever is in your power to control, to make something happen. There's just no there's no such thing as a lazy pioneer. No. <laughs> no. That's that's a good point. I think the biggest enemy of a pioneering spirit, pioneering spirit, would be discouragement. Because yeah. I mean, why are we talking about a pioneering spirit? Because there there is a propensity in people out there to stop, to put down the plow, and to just stop pushing forward. And what causes that? I think it's discouragement, and I think a big element of that has to do with the difference between, as you dictated. Uh, goal setting and expectation setting. I think that that's a that's a good that's a good point to make there. 
Okay, next question. Let's bring. Let's talk about family a little bit here because that's such an important part. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a million times by church planters, the importance of paying close attention to your family. What kind of grit, if you will, or pioneering spirit is required of the church planter's spouse and children? Uh, what is the cost of pioneering that they may face? Um, I, if I could use a word that, you know, that I often use is your spouse and your kids have to be willing to take the adventure with you. Yeah. You know, they have to be participants in it. And that's partly our responsibility of making sure that we are sharing that burden, make sure that we are inviting them along. First uh, Peter three, seven says in that verse about husbands uh, later in the verse being heirs together of the grace of life. And so that's journeying together. And sometimes I've made the mistake of, of trying to protect my wife or, you know, trying to insulate my wife. And so instead of being on the adventure, she's just in no man's land. Mm-hmm. And um, so you have to invite them to come. You have to invite them. I want you to be part of this adventure. And you really need to look at your wife more even than your kids and see her response of her exception, accepting of that adventure. Is that something that, A, that she feels that she can offer an opinion on, you know, or are we back to, I'm married to him, so I have to do it? Uh, or And you're looking for, yes, yes, I want to accomplish this. I want to do this with you, you know. And, and she's going to have different needs, and she's going to have different discouragements, and she's going to have different hardships and all those things. But is there an? She also has to have a willingness to embrace, embrace that. Sometimes ladies are more fearful of the unknown, you mm-hmm. know, because one of the big bents for ladies is a sense of security, and and that's that's great. That's the way that's the way they're built, and we have to try to offer that security best we can. So you're asking her to be part of that adventure, and I, I would say this: most people are what they are. Okay, God's by his grace can do anything he wants. But most people are what they are. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you and your spouse have never been adventurous, have never pioneered previously on on a on a small level or on a hey, let's do this, you know, uh-huh. then uh, you really need to pray and say so in, so in other words, in order to become a pioneer, we have to be something different than we are. Mm. You know, and my wife, when we got the opportunity to go to Budapest, Hungary in 2001, you know, we had a five-year-old, or, I mean, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a nine-week-old baby. And we're getting on the plane to travel to Europe for three months. And there was excitement. My wife's, my wife's like, this is going to be awesome, you know. Yeah. And so that adventurous, uh, pioneering together type spirit was already evidenced and was already on display. And again, I don't, I don't want to minimize what God's grace can do and how God can can equip. And But to be honest, he's been equipping you. Mm-hmm. And unless you've been rebellious or unless you've been, you know, unwilling to to change into what he wants you to be you pretty much are what you are. And all you're trying to be is a better you to become more like Christ. But it, so that's what I would say is much of that is already on display. 
And, and you may have a different take on this, Brother Hoy says, but I, I would be looking, well, have they been adventurous in the past? Have they been pioneering in the past? Or would this be a brand new thing, uh, you know, and it would be a change of personality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I, uh, But I would clarify on my end, um, we would not class, Karen and I would not classify ourselves as very adventurous. We don't go to restaurants. We don't know. We don't, when we go to those restaurants, we don't order things we've never tried before. I mean, we're pretty, <laughs> pretty uh, plain, uh, um, non-impulsive sort of people. So, but, but yes, you're right that, that following the will of God is going to be an adventure and it's and you do have to be willing to take that adventure and there's a level of surrender that needs to be there and trust and faith that needs to be there and if 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 a wife is needing security and, and she does need that security but if she's anchoring that security in um, being close to her family or uh, her group of friends or having um you know solid financial footing and things like Mm -hmm. that yeah um she's she's she may have a harder time going on that adventure whereas you know she as though as we all have to come to must learn to find her security in the lord yeah and in in the fact that you are doing god's will and that that is a security in and of itself and and there's a, there's a big role too here for for men to play in leading their wives to that place of security. Yeah, um, I, I've, I I see this this trend. It, it feels like maybe it's not as big as all that. Maybe it's not a big trend, but I see once in a while um, a man wanting so much consensus and verification on the next step of God's will that he's almost waiting for his wife to lead the way in that endeavor saying well what do you think you know and waiting for her to say yes let's do this and be the one who's excited about it whereas i think as the man you need to get a hold of god's call and god's vision for your life and say this is exciting i god is calling us to this you know th- and it's going to be great and you lead her to find her security in god's will and don't wait for her to verify the decision, make the decision, but lead her along and don't leave her in the dust in the process. Well, isn't that the greatest expression of a woman having a pioneering spirit is to follow her husband? Absolutely. You know, so you don't have to be, you know, Mrs. Lumberjack, you Uh know, but to follow your husband into the unknown Mm -hmm. is, is that, you know, and that's not disregarding the counsel and wisdom that a wife can give. You know, because sometimes husbands, you know, run off into the unknown with no preparation, with no, you know, so wives often are a great voice of reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but ultimately that pioneering spirit and and you're right, that can be cultivated is following your husband to the unknown. And you're looking at that. you're, You're hopefully looking at that progression of growth in yourself, progression of growth in your wife. The very first time she left her family was probably really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the next time? I mean, are, are, can you see that movement? Maybe God has been working you to this place. 
And, and I think that's a good clarification that you make, that that adventurous spirit is not necessarily displayed arbitrarily with your, your appetites, what you like and what you don't like. But contentment with God, and I would take it a step further, security in God, I should say, and security within your husband. Mm. And that is, a man is needs to give that off. You know, we, we might say a woman having security in her husband is a pioneering spirit. Well, it depends on the husband. Yeah, it does. You know, uh, you know, Abigail didn't have much security in Nabal, and that's called wisdom. Uh-huh. You know, so it still comes back to us. You know, if I want my wife to have security in me, then there must be something that she can cling on to and know that as, as I climb the mountain, she's going to be able to hold on and we're going to be able to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be able to give me help and direction as to where to put my hands and where to put my feet. But yeah. but but it, that that willingness to follow, that willingness to be a part of the journey mm-hmm. is is that pioneering spirit, you know, for for that for that wife. And it, and it is I think it is very necessary mm-hmm. that if it's not there, that it means it needs to be a matter of prayer needs to be a matter of, you know, yes. the Bible says in Proverbs 23, it says that we should guide our heart in the way. Mm-hmm. So if I look at my life or my wife looks at her life and there's something lacking there, well, I could go, well, that's just not me. Or I could say, well, let me guide my heart in the way and begin to build that. And if God wants me to be a church planner, this, no matter what you do, mm-hmm. there's you're going to have to depend upon God. Uh, but church planning is just unique because instead of a gradual process, it's more of a cliff experience. You're sure. jumping. Here we yeah. go. And, and I think you, <clears throat> another, another aspect of this with the family is that you'd better enjoy each other. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> because there could very well be a lack of real close friendships um, and that's going to affect her probably more than it will you. Yes. And it'll affect your kids more than it affects you. But if you and your wife truly are friends and you like each other's company and your kids get along with each other and enjoy each other's company, that'll go a long way to helping because, you know, it's kind of like the old the old families that would go out west and the, the dad isn't working in a factory anymore. Instead, he's building the cabin with his own two hands. and He's bringing his kids along for the journey. And, um, boy, it's, it's you and your family against, against nature. You know, it's your little tribe and, and you're a unit. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's what we have found is that it's uh, – I'm thankful for the friendships and the people God has brought along the way. And he's been so gracious to our family to bring some of those people along. Uh, but ultimately, since we be went down this tra- this path of church planting, man, it's it's driven us so much closer um, to become a unit like never before. It's been the hardest thing for our family, and it's been the best thing for our family all at the same time. And isn't that how the best things are? They're typically the hardest. Yeah. And I agree with you that that camaraderie. You need to have some family camaraderie, and and. Yep. Though church planning can can cultivate that, I don't think church planning creates that. It can perfect mm. it and improve it, but it you, you need to have some camaraderie, some strong camaraderie 
you know, that would be something that I would look for. So I'm thinking about planning a church and and if if they don't enjoy being together, right. And you say, "Well, don't all ministry couples enjoy being together?" No. And I'm not not talking about in like a marital problem sense either. Right. I'm talking about in just an enjoyment sense. Some people, you know, their interests are so diverse and that diversifies them and makes them more effective in ministry. Yep. And they may fit perfectly in a, in a ministry, but church planning, diversification of ministry is not the number one topic. <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring one of the rare moments in the Church Planner Talks podcast here, and I'm going to have to disagree with disagree, you guys. please. Okay. Bring it. We talked for the whole first part of the podcast about desire, and we talked about the onus of desire being on the man and on the leader of the home. But how much do we bring in the desire of, of the wife? Because if we're together a unit, and maybe the man's desire is, I want to go out and I want to be a church planner. But the desire of the lady is, I don't think that's my desire at all. Where do we draw the line? Because, And I'm going to bring the extreme argument in as well. But it's something to consider. How many church planners have gone out there? Though they be few, they, they exist. And they've gotten busy, and then only to find out that their marriage is crumbling around them, and their marriage falls apart. Their marriage literally falls apart, and they're left now with no church plant because they're now disqualified because their wife has just up and ran off because the man has said, my desire counts, but your desire is needs to be my desire, and I'm going to take you with me. So where do we draw the balance there? And I, I know that's not what you guys are saying. I'm mm-hmm. arguing in the extreme to some degree so that way we can get the the disagreement very clear, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. Okay. Uh, I would say, I, and I agree with you, and that's where the, the counsel of the wife, because sometimes the man's desire may not be realistic. Yeah. You know, it may be it may be unfounded. It may be emotional. Uh, it may be a, a man's desire is the is in connection to the activity of a movement, as opposed to the movement of God. All my friends are church planters, so therefore, in order to be a man, I must mm-hmm. be a church planter. Mm-hmm. You know, people that I respect respect church planters, so therefore, I'll be a church planter. And, and so you can you can out of desire that is created man-made make a wrong decision and your wife can see that and say no no that's we're not doing this for the right reason okay mm-hmm. and 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 that would be a mistake and then on mm-hmm. the other side it would also be a mistake if the lady's desire is purely made out of fear of the unknown that would also be a man-made desire and so when you go to make that decision there does have to come a transfer from this is our desire to what we believe God is leading us to do. And there's going to be some communication there. Uh, and at some point, it when it ultimately comes down to, if it hasn't broken down, if the conversation hasn't broken down before that, mm-hmm. and it may, and you may move on to something else, which is totally fine. But if it hasn't broken down before that, then... You, you're going to find that that ultimately the wife has to say, I have to set aside my desire for the will of God. And the church planner has to set aside his desire for the will of God. Because even in your example, the, 
the church planner has let his desire to be a successful church planner become the priority over his own personal walk, over the walk with his family. And so that's a misplaced, that's a misplaced desire. So you do have to analyze those things and say, okay, why do, go back to your why. Mm -hmm. And if the conclusion you come to, and even with your wife's uh, counsel is, I don't believe this is what God has for me. Well, that's that's fine. That's that's listening to the influence of your wife. And if, I've I've heard it said too. I I hear it all the time. Guys will say, "Well, if your wife's desire is not," and this is not all the time. But if your wife's desire is not your desire, then you all need to get on the right page. One of you is out of God's will because God's not going to put one desire in one heart and one desire in another heart. But you're two separate human beings. Sure. So let's be real here for a minute and say, desire by its definition could look different in each person's life. And it could be in their own mind pure desire. Mm-hmm. You know, my desire is not that I I don't. You know, the wife would say I don't have a pioneering spirit. We could talk about the difference between masculine and feminine qualities of a pioneering spirit, but I think we're setting those aside for right now and just saying the wife has to have a pioneering spirit too. Well, let's put it. Let me put it in this terms. What if you had a godly man in the church that had a different d- desire for the direction of the church? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. What you would want to hear for him, from him is, Pastor, this is my desire, but ultimately I know God has put you in this place, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to submit to your desire, even though mine may be different. Sure. Yep. And I think that's what you ultimately want to hear from a wife. And really, is, I don't think there's going to be a guy out there who's going to venture out without that being said. And yeah. if he does, if he Scary. goes out yeah. besides that, no wonder they're having yeah. marital issues. Exactly. And that's why I said I'm kind of arguing in the extreme a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. in some cases, I'm thinking one case in particular in my mind, where it seemed that at least she read the script off and said, I'm following you anywhere, but ultimately the battle inside got the best of her and she wound up mm-hmm. packing up and leaving. Right. And, I mean, that's a nightmare situation. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. And it seems like that couldn't have been avoided no matter what. Right. Um, that, that wasn't uh, necessarily brought on by church planting. No. <laughs> that, yeah. Because that's, that, that's ultimately it's dishonesty. Right. And that, that's a marital problem, not a church planting problem. But yep. at the same point you have to, and that we have sometimes problems with this in our, in our churches where we do not give our wives permission mm-hmm. to have an opinion. Mm, we do right. not give our That's wives true. permission. Yeah. Well, they should know they, they can, no, no, no. They're waiting on you to lead. That's so so you should be asking them, Hey, I need yes. you to be honest. What's your desire? And then once yep. they tell you, Oh man, I'm scared to death of that. I don't think I can do that. Mm-hmm. You also want to hear from them. But if God is leading you, yes, my ultimate desire is to follow God and follow you, and that trumps all other desires. Right. It, well, the the head of the man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. The head of the woman is the man. Yeah. The, everybody is under authority. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have certain desires in my life, and yet if, I, if the Lord gives me clear direction— to do something, even if it's not me, you know, for instance, I'm, I'm more of an introvert, but if God tells, gives me clear direction, I want you to pursue this kind of, this outreach, or want you to go visit with this person or whatever, even if that's not, not my nature and my desire, I say, okay, Lord, cause I'm your servant, right? I, I, I'm submitting to Christ's authority. Well, there is authority in the woman's life as well. 
And, you know, 1 Corinthians 11 is pretty pretty clear there that says, uh, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Mm-hmm. That God God calls a man to do a job, and then he says, it's not good for that man to be alone. I will make an help meet for him. But what if Eve shows up and says, I don't like this whole keep keeping and dressing of the garden. That That's not the life that I wanted. You know, it's it's at that point she's in rebellion against God and God's design for her life. Mm-hmm. And I, I would be very fearful if I were a woman and a wife, I would be very fearful to stand before Christ one day and give account that I hindered my husband from following God's yeah. will for his life. Yeah. Well, it's, look and look at the illustration. Use First Corinthians eleven, which I love yeah. because it teaches us that this is not an equality question. Right. Okay, it's not a totem pole, God on top, woman at the bottom, because that would show inequality between God and Christ and inequality between man and the woman. However, even in that relationship between God and Christ, okay, he's doing those things which please the Father. He's implementing those things. But he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Was it his desire to ultimately break in fellowship, which I I think is what the cup is, break in fellowship from the Father? No. It was it was a one hundred percent contrary to his desire, and he said, "If it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yep. but not my will, be, but thy will be done." So a wife saying, "Listen, if if there's a possibility that God is calling you to do anything else other mm-hmm. than church plan, I would be happy with that. <laughs> but yep. if God is calling you to plant a church, God's will be done." Yes, and that's what you're looking for. And to, yeah. to to Corey's point, if you can't come to that point, then you're you're not living with honesty, and it is going to come back. Yeah. And and sometimes what husbands do is instead of they're fearful they're going to get a negative response, so they never have the conversation, mm. and so it's completely left in the unknown, mm-hmm. and. Who knows what's going to happen? Better to have that conversation. Better to yeah. say, honey, what do you think? And what is your desire? And listen. And and if mm-hmm. she says, oh, man, I don't want to do this at all. Okay. And then you're listening for, but. <laughs> right. This is what God tells us to do. I w- want to obey God. Yes. You know. So Be- submissive, willing spirit. Yeah. Because, it, it's, I mean. It's what we all should have. If the church planner tells me I'm ready to plant the church, I'm, 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 you know, I have, I feel like I'm equipped, I'm ready, I'm able, and I feel totally, you know, um, uh, in my in my capability, and and I don't feel like there's nothing I'm not ready for. My wife's totally ready to be a pastor's wife. That's a scary guy. You should run from that guy because inadequacy. If you if you have no level of inadequacy in the ministry. Then, um, then you're probably not depending upon the Lord, mm-hmm. and so it's and, okay to have negative desires. Sure, sure. And, you know, th- I always hear these stories of husbands and wives, and they have their their story of their call to the ministry. And this, I, I forget, you know, all of your story, Brother Rossiter. But you know, a lot of times you'll hear we. Uh, I, I was praying about this. Lord, working my heart. We never talked about it. And then, you know, at the same moment or whatever, you know, God just 
turns their hearts and she knew it at the same time or even before he knew it, you know. Well, that's awesome. If God does that, that's really cool verification. It's never worked that way in our in our situation. Yeah. Never has. Um, when Karen came to Bible college, she never imagined she'd be in full-time ministry. She didn't go there called into called to be a pastor's wife or something like that. But the Lord put us together. She we knew it was the right will. And so and I told her, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in ministry. I could be on the mission field. And you know, are you cool with that? <laughs> Is that something you're up for? And she was like, hey, whatever whatever the Lord wants. And yeah. and then when we uh, you know went down to Florida to faith. Karen was eight months pregnant when we were uh, when I was invited to go check out the ministry down there and so on. And so we had interviewed with Pastor Nail together, but I went down there by myself and made the decision by myself. She had never been to Wesley Chapel. She had never been to Faith Baptist. And uh, I said, we're going. We're going. And she was. She said, okay, let's go. See, that's and a pioneering spirit. That's a pioneer woman right there. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, when we were praying about what we were going to do, there was really two things. I had two different people pushing me in two different directions. One was we had a burden to church plant and the other, I had some voices telling me that I should go into evangelism. Uh And so we're praying about that. And so I asked, you know, my wife and she said, do you want my opinion? I said, yes, I do. Yes. She said, the idea of us taking all our kids and living in a fifth wheel (laughs) and traveling across the country so that you can, you know, preach in places that is not desirable to me at all. Mm-hmm. And if that's what God tells us to do, I'm willing to do it. I'm just telling you, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And for me, what that did was that that helped me to realize that my desire to go into evangelism was really purely, this would be cool. This would be exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. But not had nothing to do with what God wanted me to do. And so her influence was beneficial and helpful to me. Uh, And then church planning, she said, I don't feel equipped at all to be a pastor's wife. I don't even know how, but if God tells us to do it, let's do it. And it was, and then we prayed for a year till we finally had that moment at that service where we both went forward and said, let's go. You know what we should do? We should have them on, on an episode here soon. And uh, explore some of these questions from their perspective. Oh, boy. Scary. <laughs> Scary. We, we may have to go back and uh, retell some of these stories the, the accurate way when they, t- when they remind us how it actually went down. Well, guys, <laughs> just remember, I have the editing power yeah. for a small yes. fee. Yeah, yeah. Yes. For a small fee. Well, the good thing is neither of our wives have listened to one minute of any episode. Amen. <laughs> so we can say whatever we want. <laughs> Awesome. And just so our listeners know, uh, a disagreement on here doesn't mean that we're against each other. But if this turns into a physical altercation, we'll record it and upload it to YouTube. <laughs> so you can check it out there. Guys, let's conclude with a, it's a multifaceted question here, but it's kind of on the same level of, uh, the, it's kind of the same question really together. Is there a right time to wrap it up in a certain place? Is there a right time to to call it quits. Obviously, we're not going to say, no, you need to be there till you die, because even Paul, on his missionary journeys, we see he was on a marathon. I mean, he, he went a lot, talk about a pioneer, and he was he had some uh, uh, a pioneering spirit, if I've ever seen one. And then um, the other facet to that question would be, have you ever considered quitting? 
And I know there's a difference between quitting and finishing. There's a difference there. But have you ever considered quitting and uh, give your testimony there? And what encouragement would you have for other pioneers out there who are struggling? Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, it, it's going to depend the factors and stuff. We certainly don't want to be guilty of just being stubborn um, and saying, hey, bless God, I'm just going to stick it out when you know, nobody has visited the church in three years, you know, and nothing's, nothing's going on and your family's discouraged and stuff. Uh, there, there are some situations where it, there, there may come a time to call it quits in my life, in my desire and heart. My, my attitude is always, Lord, if you want me to be done here, you, you need to do that. Tell my I wife. don't want, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah, tell my wife. <laughs> follow uh, <laughs> my attitude has always been i don't want to be the one to pull the plug so if god god if you're if you don't want this to happen then make it to where that the attendance just dries up make it to where the support dries up wouldn't that and be if, a fleece would that be a fleece i mean i guess that's debatable but uh-huh well maybe but i mean i'm i'm not the here's another uh, factor to that one one uh, uh, my uh, a good friend an evangelist uh, brother Ro- Rodney Woodcock was in the army and he said um, one of the rules in the army was follow your last orders first okay hmm. so whatever orders you received last from your authority from your commander follow those until you receive new orders and I, I, I take that as well with church planning the last order I received was Go here, plant this church, and so if 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 the the finances are there and there are people there, and I've received mm-hmm. no other orders from God, my attitude is I, I don't have a right to quit. Yeah, he's got to make it clear, or he's got to give me new orders or do something. If it's just me because I'm not having a good time right now and I'm discouraged. Boy, I just don't see how that's the right move. Yeah, I see. I see what you mean. Those would be indicators that it it would be time. Yes, to move on. exactly. Just different different factors. Natural indicators. Yeah, if it if it if it if you had some people, and then boy, it was all gone, and it was just back to you and your family, and it wasn't changing. Nothing was moving, and then all of your support dried up, and you had no money. Boy, it's hard to keep something going if there's no money. Mm-hmm. And if God's in it, He's going to supply the need. Mm-hmm. He promised that He would. So it would be a fact. It would be an indicator that He's He may be changing things. Well, and and maybe this is harsh, but there's a difference between not having many people because you have a pioneering spirit and you're clearing rocks. And there's a difference between having a pioneering spirit and having a poor performance. And mm-hmm. and if you have a poor performance. The first thing to do is not to quit. The first thing to do is change your performance, hmm. which means you may have to get a little self-critical. You may even have to bring somebody in to be pretty critical of yeah. your performance and say, and that may be regional, that may be cultural, you know, it may just be, you know, you're lazy, whatever it is, um, and, and analyze that and say, maybe my performance is bad, and that's what's creating these results, not the fact that, you know, God is telling me, to quit, you know, because because yeah, sure. Brother Corey's point is very true. There's a difference between quitting and finishing. Finishing means God is God is done with you there. Yep. Not necessarily done with the church there, but done with you there. And for me, I know when we planted the church, that that's what God called us to do: plant the church. 
until so for me it was going to have to be so clear yeah. i mean written in the clouds for me to do anything else until i completed what god had sent me to do yeah you know and, 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 and when when i say you know if if nobody's coming i mean literally nobody i, I don't mean if you've only got 10 people or whatever still no you've yeah. got a flock at that point yeah you know you you've Feed got the people flock. that are that are counting on you to, to shepherd them. And when I say the money's drying up, I don't mean that you had a tight month or a tight year. Okay, <laughs> church planning, it, the money's going to be tight. Just I still read ink. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm talking about you are bankrupt, broke, lights are turning off. You know, I mean, yeah. the, uh, the, the, the the don't put out fleeces. I, I appreciate you clarifying that, you know, for me. Yeah, I just uh, figured I'd call you out in front of our entire audience on that. No yeah, kidding. We're just in a disagreeable mood. This, oh, this you day. know, just starting off the season with a big punch, well, you know? Well, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I don't necessarily disagree with Gideon's fleeces, but that's another uh, another topic. But, All right, next episode, <laughs> Gideon's fleeces. Uh, <laughs> but I would say this. I think you, you have a good point. When continuing is a worse testimony than quitting. Yes, that's true. Then that's you really need to consider what God wants you to do. And some people continue and they're not paying their bills and, you know, they have a, you know, the, the church is a bad reputation. When continuing is a worse testimony, then you need to consider what to do. But let me flip it on its head. Sometimes the reason guys want to quit is because they have such a pioneering spirit and they've mm. come up to a dead end Mm. They run to the next challenge. Yeah. Mm. And part of that temperament of the pioneering spirit means that when you come to a wall or you come to a mountain, you, the going may be very slow and it may go contradictory to your charge mentality. Mm -hmm. And that's when you have to say, that's when you have to shrink the battle down to the momentary accomplishments Instead yep. of the, you know, because we th often think about the pioneers and we glorify their trip out west. Mm -hmm. But the glory stops mm. once the wagons are parked. Yeah. And you start building a house and it's just laboriously difficult. And, and we glamorize the pioneering spirit, which I think we need and we have to have. Mm. But... It changes a little bit when we hit that wall, and it changes from, yeah. you know, traveling miles and miles and miles to traveling inches. Yes. And and you got to step back and have a little perspective, and say this is still a pioneering spirit, even though I'm only traveling inches at a time. I think I think Alexander the Great yeah. is a good example of that historically. He conquered all, and then he went into a deep depression when he had yeah. nothing else to conquer. It's done. It's done. <laughs> you just used a historical example. Look at that. That is so awesome. That's the only historical character I know of. I've got his book right over there. His, his autobiography. It's yeah. in stone. But it works. Uh, <laughs> Oh my goodness! Well, ultimately, what makes what makes a pioneer a pioneer is that they stayed. Yeah. They they stayed, and I mean, otherwise the the West would not have been won. The civilization would not have been planted. The town would have never become anything. Somebody had to stick it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The finish so determines. The finish determines much more than the beginning. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, 
So it, I'm convinced that's that's largely what success will be measured by in the end is 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 faithfulness and the willing to just plug away and endure hardship um, not not in the face of uh, obvious signs that you're you know you're not cut out for it or it, you know I I'm I'm struggling to articulate it but but faithfulness is what the success is sticking it out mm-hmm. continuing um, you have to you have to be there to if the lighthouse is never going to be planted if if somebody doesn't stick it out. Well, isn't that the terminology that Jesus used speaking to the churches, several of the churches in Revelation? That the overcomer. Yeah. You know, the one that continues. You know, right. and so I think that is that is so necessary that sometimes you just have to put your head to the grindstone. Yeah. And continue. Now, Brother Hoysha, the part you didn't answer of the question was uh, when have you contemplated quitting? Yeah. Um, I love how, hold on. I love how he wrote yeah. it down on the script for Pastor Rossiter to answer I this know, first. I know, I know. It gets turned around. And right? then he flips it. <laughs> I'm going to hang up on you guys. <laughs> no, absolutely. There, I, I feel like we, I kind of came to a crisis point. I don't know if it was year three, some, somewhere in that ballpark, um, probably around year two or three. And it was it was at that point where a lot of the people who had jumped on board and said, hey, we'll support you. Um, well, a lot of that's for two or three years. Right. Mm-hmm. And sort of the expectation is at that point, you ought to be somewhat self-supporting or completely self-supporting or whatever. That's kind of the general mentality out there. And things had grinded to kind of a standstill. It wasn't that nobody was coming, but it was the same people coming Mm -hmm. that had been coming for the last two years. And we had not seen visitors in a very long time. The the finances were looking like it was impossible to become self-supporting. It was impossible to get into a building. It was was just looking kind of dismal on my five-year plan. (laughs) <laughs> that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. That was not materializing at all. And um, I, I did come to a point where I, I wasn't ready to quit or anything, but I was asking the Lord, you know, what what do you want of me? I, I feel like we've grinded to a stop here. And if that's what it's to be, then that's what it's to be. But what do you want of me? And um, I always just I enjoy taking walks, being outside, being in nature, you know, Weirdo. and speaking speaking to God. <laughs> well, not that part. That's yeah, good, good timing. Good court. <laughs> speaking to God, weirdo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And um, I look, uh, our area has a, a lot of bald eagles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and this this is where you can call me a weirdo. But I just see, I just noticed the, the eagles um, soaring. And noticed how effortless it was for them. They 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 didn't even flap their wings. They they were they were soaring and they were doing you know they were above it all and they it was like effortless. And uh, the Lord brought me back to Isaiah forty how He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I thought, I have been 
flapping my wings here. Uh, and it's and it has felt so futile and stuff just isn't happening. I'm not able to gain any altitude here. And I realized that I was so tired and so drained because I was trying to soar in my own strength. Hmm. And I needed to learn to soar with wings as eagles where they rely on the strength of that which is under them. The Keyword there's weight on the Lord. Weight, weight on, on the Lord. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And he he did. He renewed my strength, renewed our church, uh, gave us a building, and gave us some momentum. But it was in his timing. It yeah. didn't happen immediately that next day. But that day I did say, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'll stick it out. That's and awesome. if it's to stay the way it is, I'm just going to rely on your strength, and I will shepherd these few people that you have put across our path. You know, Brother Hoyt said, that's about the time that we visited Minnesota. We were trying to be an encouragement. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. The day before you left is when I had my breakdown. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny is it almost follows the exact same pattern, and it would be interesting to hear how many church planters go through that two and a half to three year yep. hurdle. Now for us it wasn't support because our building was free and man God had blessed and but we still had just our hand, you know, twenty people that were coming and, and we didn't have a lot of visitors. And I didn't to be honest, I, it wasn't that I contemplated quitting. It was just discouragement of this is not the way I thought it would be. This mm-hmm. is not how I thought it would go. And for me, it was Zechariah chapter number three. The difference between what men perceived to be the first temple and what God perceived to be the second temple. And I realized that I was so consumed, so concerned with how men perceived me that I was doing things in my own strength. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least the expectation of success was in my own strength. And Zechariah chapter number three slapped me upside the face and said, this is God's work, not your work, so just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the only other thing I would say, the, the other time was not a contemplation of quitting. It was having to understand that I had an itch for a new adventure. Mm. You know, because I am, I, I am an adventurous, I'm, you know, I fly by the seat of your pants, let's go. If there's a mountain, let's, let's climb it. So about year seven for me, so get ready. Um, no, you don't try it. You don't like new restaurants. You'll be okay. Um, about year seven, I had this itch of, I've been doing this. It's fine. It's great. Give me something else. Give me something new. And But it was purely pride that I wanted to accomplish something instead of finishing what God was accomplishing. And... Um, Praise the Lord! It's not like a bunch of offers were pouring in, you know. So it gave me time to 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 pray about it and contemplate about it, you know. And um, and the Lord just said, "This is your desire, not my desire." And and then also a little perspective too that why is the assumption that some place is going to be more of an adventure than where I am. And uh, so I had just spent some time with the Lord and the Lord said no. And I was like, okay. And not to say there's not been other times of discouragement, but those were the two times. And there's been one more since then that I had to really turn it His over to the Lord. His name is Corey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the I thorn prayed, in the flesh. Yeah, I prayed three times that the Lord would take him. <laughs> and the Lord said, you know, my grace is sufficient for thee. Uh, no, but it, there's been three times that we had to go through serious yeah. self-analyzation and, and prayer to say, God, I, I need you to help me through this because I can't. And there's been other times of discouragement, but those three. One was my own strength, year three. One was year seven, itch for a new adventure. And the other was realization that now that we've had some success, it's not really about you and I could take it all from you in a moment. Mm. And so it better still be about me. Yeah. And those were difficult times but praise the lord those are times you get closer to the lord than ever it's awesome it's awesome guys this, this. this has been a great talk i think today even though we've gone an hour and 12 minutes at this moment but uh we'll go ahead and close it up here i want you all to stay tuned for future episodes we have quite a lineup for you guys on um, this our should i say it our final season of the church planner talks yep this is our final season um just some um plans in the future and things changing and and stuff and so we're just gonna be uh landing the plane here on the podcast just uh, our workload is just too much to keep this going effectively so but thank you so much for spending time with us today uh we pray that this podcast and this episode specifically will be a help and an encouragement to someone if you've enjoyed listening we'd really appreciate it if you would take a moment to give us a review on itunes and share that link on social media. It'll be available on Facebook. To learn more about us or to contact us, check out our website, churchplanertalks.com. You can also email us directly, churchplanertalks at gmail.com, and you can check out our Facebook page there as well. So for Pastor Rossiter and Pastor Hoyseth, this is Corey Estep saying goodbye, and God bless you and your church planning endeavors. Mm-hmm.